First Timothy chapter four. Um, continuing our um, study in First Timothy. Um, last week we covered uh, verses one through seven. I mean one through one through seven. One through five. Excuse me. Um, and um, the danger of apostasy in the church. And today we will be covering verses six through ten. If somebody would like to read this morning. First Timothy 4, 6 through 10. That's our purpose. Right? I got it. Go for it. First Timothy 4, 6 through 10. If you put these things before the brothers, you will be a good servant of Christ Jesus, being trained in the words of faith and of the good doctrine that you have followed. Have nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths. Rather, train yourself for godliness. For while bodily training is of some value, Godliness is of value in every way, as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. For to, the, for to this end we toil and strive, because we have our hope set on the living God, who is the Savior of all people, especially of those who believe. Go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, we come to you uh, this morning. Your morning, grateful to be gathered once again in your body under the authority of your Son and of your Word. Now, Lord, we pray that you will guide us as we study this text together, that you will grant to us clarity, that you will speak through me, and that you will get great glory for open our blind eyes and our deaf ears and our hardened hearts that we will come to a true understanding of what your word says. We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Alright. So, we continue through our study of 1 Timothy. Um, last week, I said we covered the first five verses and the danger of apostasy in the church, whether it's the ones who around it or happen to be among those who embrace it. Uh, I know all y'all know better, but I'm just using the term you in the general sense. Um, so we arrive at our focal text this morning. Verse 6 starts out referencing the previous verses when it says, and pointing out these things. Um, what, what things? Like I said, it's the warnings that are mentioned in um, verses 1 through 5, um, which also appears in the first This is a common theme among the apostolic model, if you will. Um, we got to remember that the thing he's just saying um, it's the continuation of thought telling us to remember these warnings. Um, and that's a common model, if you will. Um, you got to remember specifically 
And with that, if we remember the things of God and the ways of God, what is the result? He continues, you will be a good servant of Christ Jesus. You've got to remember who Paul is writing to, writing to Timothy, who we would refer to as a pastor, um, if we use in present day terminology. Um, so what's the primary role of pastor? A teacher. Both as the presenter of the gospel's truth and as a refuter of false doctrine. While it's especially true for pastors, um, it's also true for any follower of Christ. Every believer needs to have a clear understanding of the gospel and how to distinguish the truth from falsehood. As Calvin brilliantly put, the pastor ought to have two voices, one for gathering the sheep and another for warding off and driving away wolves and thieves. The scripture supplies him with the means of doing both. I know that this is the case here, but sadly it's not in most churches here in here in Waco and even abroad. Um, you know, I would say the uh, largest I guess congregations are ones who we would say preach false doctrine. Um, you're talking about like the mega churches, the ones who have the most influence, so to speak. Um, so we got to be watchful for that. Now, how's all this so? by constantly being nourished on the words of the faith and of the sound doctrine which you've been following. Um, would someone read for us 2 Timothy chapter 2 verses 14 through 18? Anybody got that? Second Timothy three, fifteen through seventeen. Timothy three. Yep. Fifteen through seventeen. And that from childhood you have known the sacred writings which are able to give you the wisdom that leads to salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. So, how often do we need to be in the Word of God? 
every what's that? Always. Yeah. Every day that ends with the letters D A Y. being God's word every single day. Not not just like one read one verse on your app and be done with it. Um, I mean, find something to like meditate on. Give serious thought as to what you've read and pray that God will grant you the clarity and true understanding as to what that text means. I think daily devotionals are fine. I read them. But you got to remember that they aren't enough. Now, why is that? Because those words are, are inspired. The ones that, the ones that are good um, are ones that point you to the Scripture. Um, ones such as Morning and Evening by, by Spurgeon. Um, the two-volume Voices from the Past. Um, jewels from John Newton, which of course that's not an exhaustive list by any means, but those are ones that I have read and loved and that point clearly to the scripture. Um, now the one that's most popular, however, is honestly one of the most dangerous. It, it's, it's the it goes by the title of Jesus Calling by Barry Young. You happen to have a copy of it, save that for you know, the next bonfire that somebody has in their house. Um, now, although it might have references to Scripture at the end of each devotion, which, of course, if you've read it, um, it's in the first person for Jesus Christ, as if he's the one who's literally saying this stuff. Um, um, and in, in no way does it point us to the Scripture. And I don't know if you've read through the introduction, but sometimes I'll read the introduction to see what I'm getting myself into. So this is what I came across in the introduction. These are her words. I knew that God communicated with me through the Bible, but I yearned for more. Talk about a low view of Scripture. How often do um, we hear people who yearn for more and say basically that scripture is not enough or it's, it's an old book, it's outdated, just, every, just line up every excuse in the book. Biblical preaching, you know, um, it, it, this is for me. I, you know, I say this almost, you know, anecdotally, but I, I feel that let that need and this gap when there is this lack of biblical preaching. I, I feel like when there's there's got to be more of this. And so, what I'm kind of saying is like when I get alone in my closet and I get this Bible, sometimes I, you know, I, 
we can get, you know, we hear that so much, and that's, that's what we have to go do, and that's the list that we have to check. just what Pastor Todd preached last Sunday, the importance of being here together under the preached word, and that word being gospel-centered, right? And apart from that, I think we do, <coughs> I, I think I understand what she's saying. I think I think mm-hmm. we can get to that point because it is, there's there's emptiness there, oh, and, and, and God has called us to do this as a body. Oh, yeah, and you know, the thing is, um, I think our biggest problem here in our country is not necessarily gospel hardness, it's gospel ignorance. Um, the reason being is because much of the preaching, well, comes from preachers who are gospel ignorant. Um, and that's, I would, I would say that's why we are where we're at now in this age of Christendom. Um, and it's because of you know, the lack of biblical preaching. Um, so, moving on, um, when we see the word, uh, the phrase, words of the faith here, um, here in verse 6, um, this is always a reference to Scripture. Um, or almost always. Um, the God-breathed word then we see sound doctrine or good doctrine, as your translation might have it. Um, same, same thing. Um, it refers to the theology that is taught in the scriptures. Um, and if someone were to tell you that, oh, theology doesn't matter. As long as you got Jesus, theology doesn't matter. Um, point them to this verse. It clearly does matter. Theology very much does matter. Um, and constant nourishment upon these things refer to our need for the scripture devotion and meditation. So when we think of nourishment, you know, that old prayer, um, bless the spiritual nourishment of our body. Um, we want that as we read scripture for spiritual nourishment and each time we do read it we will be nourished because when we read what's stated here we are reading the very words of God not just the words but the words these are his what he's saying inspiration um, now the app the Bible app might be a nice for the purposes of convenience but let me tell you that phone presents distractions unlike anything else so if you're reading your, you know, your Bible going through the app and then you get a notification what are you going to be paying attention to most likely not the Bible but the notifications. Um, so that that said, um, I would recommend wholeheartedly a hard copy of the scripture. Because <laughs> um, when you have a hard copy of the scripture, you won't get distracted. Is there a 
happens, if that happens, then uh, I guess we got a problem. Um, continuing, um, you know, which you have been following. Um, Paul, of course, he knew Timothy and saw his faithfulness to the Word of God. If you're constantly nourished by the Word of God, great. Now continue. But if not, start. Um, and I'd be happy to talk with you after our study about getting started. Now going on to verse 7. But have nothing to do with worldly fables fit only for old women. On the other hand, discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. Now, well, let's unpack this first. <laughs> now, your translation might have it, um, have nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths. Um, the NASB says, um, have nothing to do with worldly fables fit only for old women. You know, that's, that's, that's strange, but um, you got to remember the context in which this was written. Um, what Paul meant here was referring to someone who was, well, uneducated or unsophisticated, which was typically the case, because that was the case with of the older women there they weren't educated and they were rather philosophically unsophisticated but this could be a possible reference to the um, a lot of the Jewish um, myths and legends that were going around that he's referring to as far as the myths the worldly fables are concerned um, but then he says on the other hand Discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. Um, this isn't referring to discipline as punishment, um, as it's often referred to now, nowadays. Um, it's more so a reference to training. Um, like many of the athletes who are training for the upcoming Olympics, even more so should we be training ourselves and disciplining ourselves to becoming more like Christ. Reading his word as if we live in it. Um, and Spurgeon said, visit many good books, but live in the Bible. It's not just godly behavior that we need to consider, but also godly teaching and godly doctrine. How can we truly know the errors of the world if we aren't doing it? Our spiritual muscles will tear and we're basically done for. And then Paul continues. Verse 8. For bodily discipline is only of little profit, but godliness is profitable for all things since it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. No, I'm not telling you to cancel your gym membership. Um, <laughs> I mean, I was employed
by a workout facility for Fulton. I'm not telling you to not run or to um, not do any kind of exercise. This is a, that's important, and you should do those things. I'm preaching myself. Um, but realize that it's only to be it's only beneficial to your physical body. It's not nourishment on the words of the faith and of sound doctrine. That's what godly discipline teaches us. We must devote ourselves primarily to the word of God and the sound theology. Godly discipline is not only beneficial now, but also for eternity. See now verse 9. It's a trustworthy statement deserving full acceptance. Could someone read for us 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 15? The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. That's your man, Mr. Romano. There it is right there. statement that is exclusive to the pastoral epistles and that it has added emphasis here, deserving full acceptance. In other words, what Paul says here is very important. It's like Jesus when he'd say, truly, truly, I say to you. That means, listen, this is important. Um, Matthew Poole that Christ came in the world to save sinners and that such sinners as from ungodly will become godly and persevere in the practice of godliness shall be happy in this life and saved in the life to come are two faithful and remarkable sayings worthy the acceptation of all reasonable creatures. Last verse, verse 10. For it is for this we labor and strive, because we have fixed our hope on the living God, who is the Savior of all men, especially for believers. And there's a lot to unpack here as well. Um, he continues this reasoning behind why godly discipline is so vital. If our hope is truly fixed upon the living God, notice the singularity here, living God, singular, there's only one. All the rest are dead and non-existent. If our hope is truly fixed on him, then we must recognize the importance of godly discipline. We see the importance of Communion, communion with God through spiritual meditation and through prayer and fellowship with the body on the Lord's day and devote ourselves to hearing the word preached and lifting our voices in prayer and in singing. Now we come to the final part of the verse which has been misread far often who's the savior of all men 
especially of believers. Now, can someone read for us John chapter 10, verse 15?
is just such an encouraging church. I mean, that's that's a gospel right there. Um, he's the one. Jesus Christ is the one who took your place and bore the full wrath of God reserved for us on your behalf. He became sin itself. Like Adam just read, he knew no sin. That means he never sinned. But he became sin itself so that we might become the righteousness of God. This is a trustworthy statement deserving full acceptance. Christ Jesus died to save sinners among whom I am foremost. That is not the cry of our heart. It needs to be. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Oh God. Your word is your word is clear that we are to devote ourselves to prayer and to your word and so often we neglect that. We repent of where we cast aside godly discipline in favor of something else. There are so many idols all around us in a world that constantly seeks to distract us away from your word. Help us, Lord, to be good servants of Christ Jesus, to devote ourselves to the scriptures and to sound doctrine. I pray for the person who does not devote themselves to these things, that they will repent of their sins and come to a saving knowledge of you. And now as we go from here, may we do so with a desire for godly discipline. Lead us now, we pray in the name of Jesus Christ.